Hi, I'm Lindsay Boomershine, brand manager of High Five Gear. H5G has thousands of designs to choose from and no hidden artwork fees. How awesome is that? Have your jersey tell your story. Order online at www.high5gear.com today. Add H5G into your wardrobe and show off your individuality. Use code ABOVE180 at checkout for $20 off any H5G style. Order today and enjoy high5gear.com. Bowling this month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. This is Chris Barnes, and you're listening to Above180.com podcast with Tim Berg. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes. Approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining me in the Above180.com podcast is Mark Baker. For more on Mark, check out markbakerbowling.com. Mark is a coach, author, and has been in the industry for over 30 years. Mark, it's Tim Berg here. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, it's great to be here. All right. Well, Mark, so this the, the reason we, we're talking is, I guess, is I received an email last week, and if anyone else ever wants to send an email, it's just Tim at Above180.com, pretty straightforward, but I, I got an email from a, a person, I won't give their name, but they were in a state that basically shut down in 2020 with COVID restrictions for bowling, so they could not do a lot of bowling, and they said they basically couldn't bowl a lot, get back out on the lanes, things were okay, but not great. And now it's uh, 2021, they're eight weeks into their league, and they're in a full-blown slump. So they said, what, what should I do? Do you have any coaches? You're going to be talking to any coaches soon that can help with the slump. So I, I right away thought of you, Mark, since we hadn't chatted in quite a while. So, Mark, uh, right off the bat, there's my question. Number one, can, do you, let's begin with, I guess, the, the first obvious question is, uh, what it, would you say is the definition of a slump? Oh, that's when usually a slump happens when you start being fairly inconsistent and then uh, a bowler starts trying to fix their own timing. That's called a slump. <laughs> that's my, that's the usual when people call me for lessons and your, and your, uh, your email person, uh, the bowler's emails, pretty much 80% of everybody I coached the last six months. The camp I had in May, I think everybody said the same thing. This is, you know, I'm just lost. So what I think really happens when you take a year off, and even though people don't think bowling is a sport, you get out of bowling shape. There's a such thing as being in bowling shape. People have no idea that it's the only thing you really do where you walk 10, 12, 15 feet carrying a 15-pound object. And if you bowl two or three leagues a week and you practice a little bit, so you're getting in 10, 20, 20, say 10, 20 games a month or a week, you know, 50 games a month, and then you stop for a year, your legs have, and your and your grip pressure have gone really, really south. So what I noticed was everybody came back with slow feet and fast swings. So that was the biggest difference I saw after COVID. Everybody's foot speed got real slow. Everybody's swing speed stayed normal. 
their hand got weaker, and they all just threw it slower, and they all missed left. Everybody's timing got early, so it was a very, very common thing what your friend just said. And I guess then um, <laughs> my ultimate question, so you, you talk about bowling. You, your answer led to a lot of thoughts in my head. You talk about bowling shape. If we are bowling league, what does that take? Does it take 10 to 20 games for the average guy to, to stay in bowling shape, or does that depend on the player and, and where they really want to be it, with their game? Yeah, I mean, that depends on the player. It depends on the skill set. I mean, if, uh, you know, if you're just bowling once a week and your goal is to average 150, then that's probably not a big deal. I would imagine the people writing into you probably average a little higher. It depends on how much you bowled before. So when you go cold turkey like that for, say, a year, I mean, it's just amazing all the all your touch, all your feel, all the moves you made easily, how you read the lanes. Everybody kind of forgot that, and they just they just could hit their target, you know, whatever the case may be. But this was the most common thing I heard was exactly word for word what you said. And the easiest way I thought to fix it was to get get them to stand taller in the beginning because they all started getting in a crouch pretty quick. I'm not a big believer in that. If you look at all the best players in the world, they all pretty much stand up in the beginning. And they don't, they don't get low early. That's, that's just not a good way of doing things, I don't think. So they get down low, and their feet don't move, and their swings are fast, and they're, they're turning a the ball before they usually turn it, and the, the ball's a little slower, and it's left of target. So then if they move in, they throw right because they've turned it early. It doesn't look on the back end. I mean, it's, it's a very common thing. Now, in California, we've been back to bowling for about five months, so I've done more lessons in five months than I've ever done in my life because everybody had this pretty much the same scenario and for whatever reason, bowling came back so strong. I mean, there's way more new bowlers, way more people taking lessons that I've never met. So there's a lot of that. But the the bowlers that are in the slumps or that had that big issue, it's all about getting back in bowling shape. And is the only way we do that a lesson? Is it By timing? Bowling. Is it getting getting bowling? It's getting out there on the lanes. Well, what happened was with the with the down, you know, the California probably being the worst state of everybody for the for the shutdown. I started doing virtual lessons, and pretty much every virtual lesson I did last year through, I just did another one this morning. The bowler had, you know, his timing was early. His, he was turning it before his heel. The ball would read the lane. The ball wouldn't read the lane, and then he would miss left. So those scenarios you're talking might be the most, that might be the new bowler. That might be the most common thing I get. Early timing, turning in the wrong place. My balance isn't very good, and my, I've lost all consistency. So I've been doing a lot of virtual lessons, so if your friend had a problem, he could Go to my website, and I have a whole section on virtual lessons, where to film, how to hold the camera, the exact locations to take them, how to upload the videos, all that good stuff. So I've been having a nice business now doing virtual lessons. A lot of it was because of the pandemic. People came back in slumps. They love bowling. They just, you know, the most typical person, I used to average 200. Now I'm having a hard time shooting 180. That's probably the most common email I get. So your friend is not alone. And then conversely, let's talk a little bit to that next level bowler, that PBA or PWBA player that we we maybe were used to seeing on TV, and we're not seeing them as much anymore. And then we go go to PBA.com, we look in the standings, and we're seeing they're they're not where they usually are as well. So we almost have to assume they're in the same boat. What's the difference in, in a, a, a person on tour in a slump versus what you're talking? I don't know about that. Everybody I know that bowls for a living found a bowling center to bowl in. No, no, no. They I were mean, they were bowling, but they're, uh, uh, the pro slump is different. Can you explain the difference between a, a pro slump and 
and to slump that your typical house player or a guy like I was referring to was in? I I would say the pro slumps more involved with the changing of the game or youth. The new young guys coming up are they're not really they don't care how good you were back in the day. That's the best part about sports. There's always going to be a new group. Now, if they were an older group and they had a year and a half off, that makes it much harder to come back, I would imagine. So, I mean, you're not – Mr. Simonson and Kyle Troop and those guys aren't going anywhere. Jesper and Chris Vi and Chris Prather, those guys aren't going anywhere. They're pretty good. So, every, every – you know, you just had a year off to see a different group. You know, I think some people really worked hard on the break and some didn't work as hard. That's like every sport, though. I don't see the pros being so much – I don't see them having this issue as much. Because some of the guys, I mean, especially like the guys that bowled in Texas, they bowled, they never, they never broke stride. The guys that bowled in Florida, they never, they never took time off. And there aren't very many touring players from California. Uh, Darren Tang moved to Vegas so he could bowl. So I didn't see that. You know, the California, we don't have, I don't think we have any touring players on the men's side. We have Missy Parkin on the women's side, but she got, you know, she's affiliated with the bowling center now. She owns the center, so she got to bowl all she wanted. So I think the pros is just changing of the guard or, some guys just work harder at the break, I guess. That's how I would see it. I just know the guys that are really good right now are really good. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you mentioned something that's interesting. Is that something there used to be more and it's going away? There, there was this awe of I'm bowling next to Pete Weber. I'm crossing with Pete Weber. I'm crossing with Chris Barnes. And now the, these younger players that come out, they're like, I, I don't care. I, I'm just here to bowl and I'm gonna, I want to whoop, whoop their butts. Uh, that might be the new, you know, new generation is definitely a different type of, you know, the the respect factor might be different, might be the same. I don't know about that. I just think once they get there, you know, for me personally, it was like my second or third year on tour. Uh, I could tell you when my happened when I bowled match play one day, and I said, you know, hey, good luck, Earl. And he goes, no more, Mr. Anthony? I said, no, nah, you're Earl now. And he goes, you'll be okay, kid. You made it finally. So I called, I called him Mr. Anthony, Mr. Roth, my first two years on tour. Then one day I called him Mark and Earl. My my started bowling a lot better. So there's always going to be that year or two you a little bit of awe who you're bowling with. And then what happens is you see them bowl in person, and you realize how good they are. And you see them bowl in person long enough, and you get to see the bad weeks. What people never see is the bad weeks because we don't well, we have a little bit of flow bowling now. That but when I bowl on tour, there was you know the only the guys that made TV were all the guys you saw. So you all saw them bowling well. When you get to see them for a year or two, you get to see the greatness. But you also get to see the time when they struggle. So once you see that you can actually beat them, then I think the the fear factor, the respect factor, goes away, and you just you're out there to beat them and make a living. You got to see both sides of them. Mark, you mentioned the two-handed game. You were also one of the earlier coaches who t- had two-handed students. Talk about how that's been evolving for you, even as you were one of the earlier guys to be coaching two-handed players. Well, I was, a, I, I was one of the first ones to do it. I had Wesley Lowe when he was 10 years old. So I've been doing two-handed for 14 years. I bought into it 14 years ago. It was never, I didn't have to learn it. I know a lot about it. I, I, I really, really, I mean, my son bowls two-handed. It's just a different way. Uh, it's basically how I look at it when I was in juniors. Two-handed is now Mark Roth. You know, everybody wanted you to bowl a certain way when I was in the 70s. Mark Roth made TV, and I didn't really care what my junior coach said. I was going to bowl like him. I mean, he was cool. So we all tried to tear our thumb. Once we made our thumb bleed, then we, we couldn't bowl like Roth. We could make our thumbs bleed. Well, Belmonte changed the way you look at it. 
when you go into a bowling center and they don't know anybody that bowls, the typical bowler, but they know one guy in the world. That dude on TV from Australia a lot, he bowls cool. He, he moved the needle. So then what happened was you got a bunch of guys to figure out how to do it, and they're finding it effective. And what they have, they have natural rev rate, and there's no thumb in it, so they can change your releases much easier than a one-hander. It's here to stay. I mean, either you get on or get off. I got on it 14 years ago. I didn't. I don't care how you throw the ball. Are you willing to try hard? Wesley Lowe tried really hard, so I enjoyed my time with him. And so I've been doing the two-handed thing for a long time. I love it. I, today, all my bowlers were one-handed. I love those guys, too. There's no difference. Just It's just a different way of throwing it down there. And um, would you say, with where we are with the rev rate, probably, would you say is 6-ish, 6 is that the highest you think we're probably at these days? The number six fourteen. Yeah, rate. six wow, is, that, is that a is that a ballpark of where probably if, if you went out and looked at your highest rev rate that we're seeing out there from from the pros or from a from a player is that about it? Yeah, I never look. I don't ever ever look at that. That's never as a coach. That's never a thing I talk about. So I just, just how how effective are you when you throw the ball? I'd say the average rev rates are much higher with the two handers. They're in the well, you know, high five, high fours, low fives. So the top end guy is the top end guy. I guess I would never. Yeah, I would never know that number. So that's quite the impression. That one dude from that one one-hander from Sweden, though, he got it up there pretty close. He was close to that number. Not sure if that means anything, but yeah, I mean those guys are just maxing out. And, and there's been, obviously 600 might be top end. I can't see how if it got higher than 600, your ball speed would have to be so great to control the ball on the back end. It's still about who hits the pocket the most. I mean, it's still the same stuff. I mean, Belmonte and Mark Roth are the anomalies. They are the guys with the most power that can hit their target. Name a sport with a guy the most tar- with the most power that's halfway accurate doesn't dominate. When Dustin Johnson's hitting it in the fairway, they're all playing for second. Or Bryson now, whenever they do it. You know, the guys with the most power and, can, and they know what they're doing, they've always dominated every sport. Ours is no different. We just had Walter Ray in there for about 20 years. <laughs> Walter threw a monkey wrench in this whole thing. Yeah, Walter Ray was just dead, exactly deadly accurate, like you said. He just was a complete anomaly. He was he was actually the anomaly, not Belmonte, if you look at it, because it was going Ross, and then there was Pete, and then it was Amleto, and a guy who doesn't get talked about much. It really changed how a lot of us saw the lane. Chris Warren came out, and he can make a ball do things that we hadn't really seen. A guy play a lane a little different. Chris Warren really put a move on it. Then you had Kelly Kaufman. It was already going that way. And then Walter Ray decided he was just going to show you how to do this. He did it a different way. And then what you have, a guy like Barnes came behind Walter and figured out Walter made the most money. So instead of Barnes coming out with a high rev rate and going higher, Barnes came out, saw Walter Ray, and changed his game to kind of match Walter Ray. Then he became the next big superstar. So Walter was the anomaly, not the guys that hooked it. That's how I see it. So how would you say or have you, have you had to evolve as a coach throughout your years? Oh, I, I coach different now than I ever have. Oh, I love it. I'm never going to just see the same thing over and over. That would I'm too hyper. My brain moves pretty fast. That would be boring. No, I like all the newness, and I come up with new stuff, and I film a different way, and I try different stuff. Oh, no, I like the changes. So the two-handed makes my day fun. So I might have two two-handers, a beginner, and three guys that are you know in their 60s averaging 190. And I've got a bunch of people averaging 190, 200, that are 60 that are trying to bowl two-handed. 
You can't you can't not throwing six baggers. People like to strike. People want to they want to see the head, the head pin tomahawk the ten. That's cool. There's no replacing cool. Can't put your finger on it, but it's a thing. <laughs> or else all the ugliest guitar players in the world wouldn't be married to super to uh, supermodels. Cool is cool. Doesn't matter what you do. Throwing two handed striking a lot is kind of cool. The other thing you mentioned was your son Gage is a two-handed player. I have a lot of dads as well who listen to these shows. What advice do you have for them when it comes to if they if they know anything about bowling? Should, how should they coach their son, or should they leave that to the professionals like yourself? Yeah, it's called MarkBakerBowling.com, and you click on Virtual Lesson, and you send me the videos. That's how you coach them. If you don't know a lot about it, all you can do is hurt them. So it's not because, I mean, it's very hard for some of the, you know, the two-handed camp, what we changed was a lot of what they were told. It wasn't wrong. It didn't apply to two-handers. They do things. They measure timing different. They do some things. There are are a lot of similarities, one-handed, two-handed, but there are also some things two-handed that are a little bit different. So you just got to, I mean, balance is balance. Hitting a target is hitting a target. Obviously, when the kids are new to bowling or new to two-handed, there's going to be a ball speed issue because you have no backswing. You know, and a lot of times they don't have much body mass. If you weigh 80 pounds, it's hard to throw it hard. So then they've been told never to have fast feet, but you weigh 80 pounds and you both two-handed, you're going to have fast feet. So the dad's been told that's a bad thing. Well, that's, that's actually the right thing. So there's a little bit of this, you know, there's a disconnect in there a little bit. So that's kind of what you want to do. And with my son, I just said, just go bowl. About every three months we'll work on it. And I kind of stay out of it. And he's figured out more of it watching YouTube videos than anything else. Because there's so many that you can see so much. He's a big, he really loves old school and he loves Jesper. And then, you know, you got Belmonte, who's the template. Now you got Simonson, who does it a little bit different. But still, when you measure him, it's still the same timing spot. And they still look the same at certain places. So a lot of it is they just, you have to let them bowl. They're going to have way bigger games and they're going to have way bad, they're going to have way worse games. The average is kind of the same. But my son sure does enjoy bowling two-handed more. I know that. So a lot of it to me is the enjoyment factor. He likes it. When it's on, it's on. It's 230s. When he bowled one-handed, now maybe he'd have got there, but he wasn't. He didn't strike near as much as a one-hander. When you're coaching the younger folks as their body changes and they get older, they start going through puberty, or, or even if you're on the other side of that where you're you're on the coaching some of the older folks and, and their bodies maybe getting less flexible or there's some changes as well. How do you work with them and how do you help keep them to where they want to be with their expectations in their game and to manage those expectations? Well, the old, there's two, that's two separate answers. So the older guys, which is a lot of my business, that's all managing their lower body, their legs, and a little bit of their grip pressure. Their hands get weak as they get older. We just don't do as much. So that's either you're going to be able they really don't like to go to a lighter ball. I'm not throwing 15 or I'm not throwing 14. Then the easiest thing to do is make their approach a little more efficient. And invariably, we end up moving them up on the approach. Their, their legs aren't as elastic as they used to be. So where their pivot step to the foul line used to be able to stretch out and get their chin, you know, they would get their head to the foul line and use the foul line as a barrier. When their legs don't stretch as much, if their pivot step is in the same place, now to get their head to where it used to be, they have to lunge. Then they fall off, tend to get early, they get out of balance. So I keep, you know, you just keep creeping them up an inch or two at a time. As long as their balance, their pivot step stays under them and their head can get stabilized at release, they seem to have, you know, 
the bowling balls are definitely, I think, if you do it correctly, the balls are so good. You know, teach them how to play. I mean, they got to learn how to play a little deeper because they throw slower. But the ball coming off the spot at 45 feet is still the same place. So, I mean, that's pretty easy. The kids is a different answer. It's happened to Cameron Doyle. It happened to Wesley. The biggest thing that happens to kids is they have a growth spurt. So they get really good at a certain age, 10, 11, 12, and they're about five feet tall. So if you take a laser pointer from the approach where they stand and see the target, that's a certain angle. Now, if you take that same person and you make them grow a foot, Cameron Doyle's situation, he grew, what, 14 inches, 15 inches, and you take that same laser pointer and you don't you don't adjust their target, all of a sudden their chin's down and they're slamming everything in the lane. So when you get good when you're short and then you grow a lot, your targeting has to go farther so that angle from your eyes through that target doesn't change. So if you take, you know, a static spot and your eyes are hitting at the third arrow and that's it, then you make that spot go up a foot and your eyes stay there, you're going to start shoving everything in the front part of the lane and start falling off. So when kids grow a lot, you're going to have to extend their target for where they look so that angle from their eyes stay the same. It's when they got good so their feel stays the same. When you want to look your best on the lanes, please remember, check out h5gbrands.com, your one-stop shop for your dye-supplemated jerseys, no hidden artwork fees, and remember, use promo code ABOVE180. That will get you $20 off your order. Had some folks getting ready for some PBA tournaments coming up. Use that promo code. was as easy as a snap to get their $20 off their order. No hidden artwork fees. Myself, I just went through this process as well. Everything turned out great. Again, check out h5gbrands.com. Don't forget, use that promo code above 180 at checkout. That will get you $20 off your order. Again, h5gbrands.com. Also, don't forget to check out bowlingthismonth.com, bowling's best and most comprehensive technical resource all at your fingertips, place where bowlers need to go for everything online. They have your ball reviews down your left-hand side. They have featured articles, everything from health, fitness, helping yourself on the lanes, off the lanes, all at your fingertips. Again, check out bowlingthismonth.com. All right. Again, Mark, as you've said, Mark Baker joining me here on the podcast. For everything that you need, go to markbakerbowling.com. Like you said, you have the virtual lessons, camp bakes, private lessons. you got uh, all sorts of stuff there if people are looking to, to be in touch with you. And, uh, and Mark, I, I know I very much appreciate your time as, as you are busy. Like you said, you've been doing more uh, lessons and everything, but glad we had some time and the opportunity to catch up here and share some insight with our audience and, uh, and all the best of luck moving forward, Mark, with everything. Sounds like you'll be super busy, and we will be, um, we'll be catching up with you again here down the road soon. That would be awesome. Hey, you guys do a great job, and uh, love being on today.